Looking to start your own website? The first thing you need is a domain name, and the best place to get one is at GoDaddy.com. With your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $7.49 a year. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because Micah cannot contain his excitement, this is MuggleCast episode 198 for May 12th, 2010. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's Micah, Eric, Matt, and I here this week. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. 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 And we are here to discuss Harry Potter as we have for the past five years. And we're going to go at it for another five years. And we are quickly approaching episode 200. It's very exciting. So exciting that we only have two news stories this week, which is amazing. Thank God we only do this every other week now, because if we we did the show every week, we'd have like half a news story to discuss. Mm -hmm. Or none. Or or we'd just be pulling nonsense news stories out. That's why we do it every other week now. So we give you quality news stories to discuss each each and every episode. Anyway, let's get the show started. I'm Andrew Sims. Hi, I'm Eric Skull. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. And I'm Matt Britton. Mike Tannenbaum, what's in the news this week? Well, on Tuesday, I got the chance to go and check out uh, Lego Harry Potter Years 1 to 4. There was a press event in New York City, and... uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, (laughs) you sent it to me, so (laughs) you shouldn't be too surprised. Look at Mike, I guess it would be press. Press, yes. So, uh, how was it? Uh, It was a cool event uh, that uh, they set up there, and uh, it was at this really fancy uh i don't even know uh what you would call it but it it was the housing for like the council on foreign relations oh and uh it was a really interesting uh setup there they had uh one floor uh that that was dedicated to lego harry potter there was one room for uh really the kids to to go in and and play the game they could get their pictures taken uh they had these life-size posters set up of uh, Lego Harry Potter characters. I think there was Ron and Hermione, Harry, Dumbledore, uh, and Hagrid. And uh, then in the other room was kind of the adult room with with the bar and uh, 
<laughs> and, and adult uh, Lego figures of Ginny and Hermione and um, McConaughey, <laughs> right? Yes. Was there really no. a bar? Yeah. Uh, yes, there actually was a bar. And oh my. Uh, you could uh, get alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverages, uh, depending wow. on your age. Um, and that was just for the Lego Harry Potter people? Yep. Jeez. Wow, man, Some they, party. They go all out. Was there like a contest, like see how many drinks you could have and then properly build a Lego set? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That was that was in the kids' room, and, th- and they gave them chocolate milk. So uh, uh, how oh, much cool. chocolate milk could you drink, I guess, without throwing up while building a Lego <laughs> Harry Potter set? So you got to play the actual video game. I did. Which is, I think, the first time anyone's been able to play it, like, all complete. How is it? Uh, it's really great. I mean, and, and I, if I, obviously on this show, I've trashed the, the EA games many, many times. <laughs> um, because while they do have a great design team that, that put the games together, the gameplay is never very good. I mean, it, mm. it's a little too simplistic, and there's not enough for, you know, kind of the, the crazed Harry Potter fan. But I think everybody will enjoy this game um, because cool. there's just so much to do. Uh, I got a chance to speak with uh, Arthur Parsons. He was there. If, if anybody's seen the videos that and the vignettes, I guess you'd call them, that have been done on the LEGO Harry Potter site, uh, he's the guy who kind of walks through a lot of them and a lot of the creative end of things. And he was there. He was kind of the uh, the one person that uh, Warner Brothers had brought along uh, for the media to speak with and the sites to speak with. And, you know, you could tell how passionate he was about this game. He was kind of the lead. Uh, and uh, he wanted to show literally everything uh, that they created. He did this special cheat code uh, that brought up all the different levels uh, that you and places that you can go to. You know, years one, years two, years three, years four, and it was just unbelievable the amount of stuff that they have created in this game. And really, this this game in particular is is much more close to the books and the story that takes place in the books as opposed to the movies, which we know that's where the EA games are. You know what they're based on, uh, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you're—I think you get over 140 playable characters. I mean, when I was there and, and playing the game, um, you know, just in year one, I played as uh, Harry, Ron, Hermione, Scabbers, Hagrid. Uh, cool, Scabbers. Cool, Scabbers. Yes, you do need Scabbers at times uh, in in this game. So, I mean, you have to change. It's it's not just a matter of being able to you know use Harry. Uh, you have to use these other characters because only their abilities will allow you, to, you know, to get through different stages of the game. So I thought that that was really cool, and you know, we got to see you know, a lot of different areas. Warner Brothers was really hesitant about uh, about this guy showing us too much, uh, especially with really? with uh, Goblet of Fire, uh, because that hasn't been really displayed yet. To oh brother, as you right. can see, they've been releasing things in stages uh, to to kind of build up the momentum to this game but uh we didn't get to see anything goblet of fire related uh, other than mad eye moody walking randomly around uh diagon alley did they comment on the delay at all and is that why to, to, to sort of give this game the proper marketing is that why the game was delayed a month you know i didn't ask them about that um you know the game obviously will be released at the end of june i'm not going to say what date yet because they haven't officially released that I mean, I can obviously tell you guys what date, but uh, I can't say on air what the date is. So, Micah was too busy at the bar. 
to be asking the proper questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, did, did you write uh, down those cheat codes? Micah, did, that- did you even play this game? Or were you just watching someone from the from your bar stand? <laughs> uh, you caught me. Uh, but no, what was cool was watching uh, Arthur go through, and you know you could tell he he's must have played this game thousands of times by now. Yeah, um, yeah. And just how he was able to do everything because every time a new group would come over from the press, he would explain. You know, really from the beginning. But w- I think what makes this game so unique, though, is is that it's so true to the books, but it's so funny. There's these cutscenes that are, for example, um, and Eric, you've played these Lego Harry Potter games before. So the um, what what's the kind of the command center of things like the cantina in Star Wars? They talked about, and also the Batcave in Batman. Um, this will be done in Diagon Alley. That that's oh, kind of your command awesome. center. And one of the main areas is Madame Malkin's. So you, you can go in and, you know, talking about humor, you know, if you accidentally go into the wrong dressing room, you see a wizard in the middle of changing. And they just the, the humor that they've built into this, um, there, like I said, there's a number of cutscenes that we saw at the beginning um, that, you know, just very, very true to the books, but also there's just endless amounts of comedy. And I think that's what Lego has been able to do that, that makes it uh, so much different. And, you know, we got to see a, a couple of different areas of, of the world. I mean, uh, the forest, uh, we got to see uh, Hufflepuff's common room, which was never in the books, but they built with uh, approval from J.K. Rowling. Now, uh, so. yeah, we, we talked about this, Micah. You said that they had already coded in sort of the other common rooms as part of the gameplay, so they decided to go yeah. ahead and do the, the Hufflepuff one. How did that work, did they say? Yeah, well, they, as you said, that they had built in all these common rooms because I guess there's tasks in each year associated with them. And uh, they felt as if they couldn't leave out one of the houses. So they went ahead and they built Hufflepuff's common room, and it has in it things that would be specific to that house. So because uh, Professor Sprout is the head of house, um, they have a lot of herbology uh, that is taking place in those in those rooms. And uh, That's also awesome. a lot of food-related stuff because I guess Helga Hufflepuff was a, a, a big-time cook. That's why they're, we're so close to the kitchen. But... In. All right. Yeah, I mean, well, go out cool. and buy it. Calm, calm down, Micah. Jeez. <laughs> Mike is so excited. I've never seen him so excited about something. He texted me after he got out of the event. He couldn't stop talking about it. He's like, you will not be able to put this game down. Well, you won't. It is a game changer. They said, um, uh, Arthur said that uh, for people who know how to play this game, you know, the, the people that have spent all this time making it, uh, from start to finish, it will take them 30 hours to complete it. 30. 30. 30 hours. 30. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> sure you do. Micah, play it for me. Let me know how it is. Okay. I w- <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, so it'll take longer for an average person, right? Right, and that's just walking yeah. through the, the storyline. There's obviously a lot of other, you know, There are always collectibles. Adventures. There are always awards. Cool. Yeah. Well, we reported that the game would be out um, end of June, that that date um, came out a couple weeks ago. Mike, you cannot confirm or deny it this time, but... Uh, well, yes, it will be um, out at the end of June. I just can't say what, what day. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, look for it at the end of June. Uh, what else is going on in the news, Micah? Well, we speaking of release dates, uh, for Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire Ultimate Editions, 
they yes. may be out, according to the Germans, on uh, <laughs> <Do we laughs> November trust the, Germans, the 25th. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they, they always seem to be uh, one step ahead of the game. They're the ones who always put these release dates out. I think they did it for the Lego video game, too, didn't they? Maybe. Well, the release dates were posted on Amazon Germany. And um, they're not posted on the U.S. Amazon site yet, but I, th- I think it's pretty reliable. It makes sense because Deathly Hallows Part Part 1 comes out November 19th, so um, the DVDs coming out the following Tuesday would make a lot of sense. Right. I assume that's a Tuesday. Well, the Germans have said it. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're responsible for all the, the, the prophecies that have happened in the past few decades. It that's has- actually That's actually Thursday, so it may come out here. It may come out in the U.S. on November 23rd. Because that would be the Tuesday following the movie release. Oh. But it, it it makes sense. You know, they want to release these DVDs when Harry's hot. Um, they released uh, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets Ultimate Editions with the Half-Blood Prince DVD. So this this makes sense. If I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'll put my money down on this uh this this release date. All right. If I was a betting man. I don't know for sure. I mean, there's not really much it. more to say about that. It's just that we have a you know tentative right. date. Start saving now. There'll be thirty bucks a piece around that. Um, I'm excited for the extra features, though. I mean, the first two were awesome. Yeah, they're really nice sets. They really are, and I can't wait to have a complete collection. Uh, all those, like I, like I said, uh, when we were talking about the Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets ones, I can't wait to have them all on my shelf next to my book collection. Ah, they look nice, but it's like twice as many movies as you need. Because each set contains like a Blu-ray and a DVD version of the film. No, no, or no. It, it's just no. It's one or the other. Oh, or but it's a, the extended edition is on a separate disc. Yeah, yeah. So right. you get like so four like, discs per film. Yeah, yeah. It's kind so of it's a lot, but too much plastic. <laughs> too much. Plastic. It's a waste of plastic. The environment is dying. All right. Well, making these Harry Potter sets. Like we said, it was a short, short. Uh, sm- it was a slow couple of news weeks. So we will move on now. Um, we have an update about the MuggleCast remix. Eric, how is that going? Oh, it's going well, man. I, um, I, if, if it was any indication after the first, you know, week or two that I said, you know, send in your, your clips, it was actually just that everybody was busy. I have over now almost 200 clips that people wow. have sent in. Great. Yeah, Thank two, you, everyone who's been contributing. Clips. Thank you to everybody. Um, a lot of these people just actually sat down, went through like five or six episodes and send in like 20 to 25 suggestions. It's just unbelievable. So over the next few weeks, uh, by the way, suggestions are closed. I'm going to say, you know, if you (laughs) you happen to email me with one, fine. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, suggestions are closed. And the other, the only other thing I had to say really was, um, I may be looking for a, uh, a detective, a clip detective, if anybody's interested, uh, just to apply, um, simply because, um, all these clips, they're all good and nice. Um, they may all be, you know, just funny moments. And if I need something that uh, transitions, I might be looking for something like that. So I may ask this this clip detective to go find a moment where Ben says something like, okay, here we go now to this, you know, which he wouldn't ah, say because that's oh. specifically me. I, dun, I, I would, dun, I would, it's like a yeah. mystery. And I'm sure yeah. the MuggleCast transcripts would be able to help you find that too. Exactly. I know. I, it's just me getting out of doing work. So. Oh, I know. Um, I know. I understand. Any, any, any applicants? Uh, but you guys, you guys heard a little preview. What can you say about the the preview? That yeah, you, you sent us a sample. It sounds really good. It sounds really good. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to have the whole thing. I'm going to submit it to some dance clubs, hoping that they said. will. You said play in the email, it. you were like, I can't wait to hear everything after the first. 
69 seconds, I said, oh my god, that's awesome. Right. Oh yeah. my god, they should play it at Infinitus. <laughs> they the should. Ball. They should. They should. They could play both oh, of them. Geez. We could dance to it. <laughs> okay, so now it's time for the final chapter-by-chapter chapter segment for Prisoner of Azkaban. Today we're looking at the final three chapters of the book. It's an exciting conclusion. This was a wonderful book. It's been a great time doing chapter by chapter for this book. Um, so let's let's wrap it up. We'll start uh, with chapter twenty, the Dementor's Kiss. Micah, take it away. So I have to be as enthusiastic about this chapter as the Lego game, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's see, get <laughs> keep this. it up, keep it up, Micah, keep it up. All right. Uh, well, the chapter starts with them all exiting the the shrieking shack, and it said that Harry had never been part of a stranger group. And uh, this made me think a little bit about the movie. Um, you know, they could have done a little bit more with this scene in particular. Um, it could have been funny. It could have been funny because you have Sirius who's, who's you know, in control of Snape. And, you know, to kind of let Snape bob along and smack his head on the ceiling and, you know, be ignorant to what's going on. And, and I thought, you know, maybe they could have done something a little bit more with that considering how much of the, the story they had already cut out. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. Although it would have been a sort of strange departure from the mood in the film at that time, I think. So maybe that was the reasoning for it. But yeah, it would have been funny. And a, I mean, poor Harry, always, always with the strange group groups of kids. I don't think this was the strangest. <laughs> oh, it, I mean, I, I guess it was if you think about it. There was a cat and Snape all passed out. Half of them <laughs> could turn into an animal. <laughs> yeah. The ragtag tree. Oh, you know, actually, speaking about this, <laughs> one thing I left out of, of the Lego discussion before oh geez that, that's right. funny though is that um you know incorporating the, the actual lego side of it into the game is you have to build this massive mouse trap um in the shrieking shack in order to try or to in order to capture uh <laughs> peter pettigrew <laughs> oh, so cool. that he doesn't escape <laughs> very cool well you think it's massive i mean how big is this thing what thing the game? The, the the trap. Oh. You said this massive trap. Yeah, I guess it's got to be pretty big. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of that board game, Mousetrap. Oh, yeah, Did you yeah. guys ever play that as a kid? Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of that going around the streaking shack. They should have made... Why didn't Why didn't they make a, a Harry Potter version of that game? You know, they have, like, Harry Potter... Well, I guess they don't have Harry Potter Club Monopoly, do they? They should have done that. <sighs> Marketing yeah. potential. All right, well, hopefully ahead. for all the things the movie lacks, the uh, HP Lego game will pick up. <laughs> I'm just going right. to keep throwing Lego uh, anecdotes in there as we go through. <laughs> Every two minutes, Michael's like, it's interesting because um, on the Lego set, um, yeah, exactly. the, the, the game actually did this. Yeah. So um, while they're in uh, the passageway and, and Snape keeps smacking his head on the ceiling, uh, Sirius tells Harry about being his godfather, which Harry obviously already knew. Um, and that he's welcome to come live with him once Sirius's name gets cleared. And I was wondering, does Harry overreact a bit here? I mean, I know he's excited to possibly leave the Dursleys, but he still doesn't know a whole lot about Sirius. Well, I think he was just very excited to see that he finally has a family member outside of the Dursleys. And to hear that he doesn't have to be... Because his perspective is... Anything is better than staying with the Dursleys. So the fact that now he has this brand new family member, and this family member has offered to, um, you know, uh, a place, uh, a place to stay, I think that's that's really exciting. I mean, I understand it. I, I, I you know, He's still young. especially since it's kind of right. a young kid's reaction. 
Yeah, yeah. But still, he's been with the Dursleys all his life, and finally he's got an offer to stay somewhere else that isn't the Dursleys, and it's a family member, so I understand. Yeah, and asking that question, that's something I just, I just remembered all that protection that's on Privet Drive. Do you think Dumbledore would have let, you know, even if Sirius's name is cleared, uh, do you really think after all that magical protection that's actually going to keep out Voldemort? I mean, Voldemort's at full power in Book 7, and he still can't penetrate Privet Drive until Harry comes of age. So do you really think Dumbledore would have let... I mean, Sirius would have had to move to Privet Drive, and that would, <laughs> they would have been, been next-door neighbors with the Dursleys. Privet <laughs> Drive, also featured in the Lego Harry Potter video game. Uh, uh, but, but anyway, um, it's... J.K. Rowling here describes uh, Sirius... You know, it's, she says that uh, his face broke into the first true smile Harry had seen upon it. And the difference was startling as though a person 10 years younger were shining through the starved mask. So it just describes how completely emaciated Sirius is, you know, how gaunt he is and less than human almost. I don't know. It was probably pretty creepy to see somebody like that smiling. <laughs> People shouldn't smile, Micah. It's creepy. Unless unless they have the new HP Lego game, then they should smile. Yes. <laughs> does <laughs> um does Sirius actually smile in the Lego game? I don't know. All right, this is <laughs> enough of the Lego game. <laughs> so uh they they get out of the Whomping Willow and This isn't brick by brick. <laughs> oh jeez. Okay. Um so once they exit, uh this the clouds overhead shift and the moon is revealed. And uh, Hermione, who's always a, uh, you know, up on things, notes that Lupin did not take his potion. Now, here's where uh, I came up with a couple of issues, and I think we mentioned it a little bit in the show last week. Um, and I took two quotes. One that says from Lupin, as long as I take it in the week preceding the full moon, I keep my mind when I transform. Now, the second quote is from Snape, who was just you know the previous chapter in The Shrieking Shack. I've just been to your office, Lupin. You forgot to take your potion tonight. So I doubt, so I took a goblet full along, and very lucky I did. So if he was taking the potion, it should have been the week prior to the full moon, and he shouldn't have transformed. Well, right? Yeah, that's, that's Lupin's fault. Like, if Lupin is transforming, you know, tonight, the night of the full moon, that's because he didn't take his potion last week, according to what Lupin said previously. Mm-hmm. So like well, what this happened- seems like an even bigger error. The more t- you know, the more times we mention it, and now that you know, Mike had pulled it out, it looks really big. It looks bad. Do you think there may have been a reason why he well, didn't take the- it? My point like- is that there's an error. It seems like there's an error in the writing because he says that he's supposed to take the potion preceding the full moon. So if and and Snape is saying that he found the potion on Lupin's desk. So this should be t- taking place the week preceding a full moon. Yeah, like we're. Yeah, we're supposed to believe that Lupin was reading the Marauder's Map. He saw something exciting, you know, not thinking. He jumped up and left his office without taking his potion. But right. the potion, it, you know, is, there's a time frame, and he's supposed to keep his own head. So Lupin should have been taking the potion last week, and he should still be able to control himself, even if he does transform this week. Right, or the mm-hmm. or what I'm saying is that it's not written the right way. You know what I mean? Technically speaking, yeah. it's not supposed to be a full moon if he's taking his potion. It's supposed to be the week before the full moon, based on what Lupin has told us. I don't know. This is very this is very technical, Micah. Well, it's it's it's, it's a technicality, but 
It, yeah. It shouldn't be a full moon, is my point, when the clouds... Yeah. So it's a pretty big mistake for Joe to make in a, a three-page-long chapter. Yeah, well... Well, if anyone has any theories, feel free to write in with uh, ideas about that. I'm sure people have some theories. Yeah, but uh, to what Matt said, though, I mean, why wouldn't he take it? I mean, why wouldn't he just gulp it down before he left his office, or even take it before leaving the Shrieking Shack? Because Snape said he brought it with him. Mm-hmm. But would he want to give in to Snape, so to speak? He has no choice. Well, I think he trusts Snape. Yeah, I mean, he has no choice well, but he to did, trust apparently. <laughs> because he's making the potions for him. Yeah. And they have worked in the past. Maybe Snape spilled the potion when he was pushed backwards and knocked out. Yeah. That's a big risk to take, though, if you're not trusting Snape and decide not to take the potion. So, because now you're risking turning into a werewolf. So, the, the transformation occurs, and then uh, Sirius, he ends up protecting Harry and Hermione when... Lupin changes into a werewolf, uh, and it's actually Snape in the movie that kind of throws himself in front. Um, and I was just wondering, what do you guys think? Why Snape? In the movie, is Snape knocked out that whole time until then, or yeah, he is wakes Snape up. Even knocked out at all? In the Pretty movie? much as soon as he walks in, he's stunned. Because I was, I was debating. Yeah, I was debating whether or not movie Snape knew about Pettigrew being alive. Well. It's the scene that takes place is Snape kind of wanders into the midst of the fight. Sirius is already transformed and he's fighting with Lupin and Snape steps in front and then Harry goes and runs after them and Snape, you know, yells at him to come back. But it's almost out of mm-hmm. character for them to use Snape like that. Right. Well, do do we really know how long Snape has been unconscious during this whole fight? In the, in the book, we're meant to believe that he was unconscious pretty much the whole time from before Pettigrew was transformed from Ron's rat to the point where after Pettigrew had escaped. And the reason is then he has deniability, um, you know, and he can continue going on what he does and, 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 and say that uh, the kids are making stories up. Right. So this fight takes place. And uh, Eric, you had something you wanted to bring up? Yeah, uh, I'm doing this literature class in college, and we're just talking about different grammatical styles that authors use. And I wanted to mention the the change in in the uh, the use of the possessive here. This is a very terrifying chapter, and I'll, I'll get into that a little later. But uh, there's just two paragraphs here. When Lupin is transforming, the first one is uh, there was a terrible startling noise. Lupin's head was lengthening, so was his body. His shoulders were hunching. His hair was sprouting visibly on his face and hands, which were turning into clawed paws. And the next paragraph is as the werewolf reared, snapping its long jaws. Sirius disappeared from Harry's side. So it's the change in, you know, Lupin is becoming a werewolf, and it's Lupin's hands that are growing hair, and then all of a sudden it's the werewolf's long jaws that are... that are. It's just the change in the possessive, and I picked that up. And I thought, it's really cool, and it's also a technique that's good for, you know, emphasizing that the teacher that we've all known is now a werewolf. It's not, it's not yeah. Lupin, you know, it's not, it's not like he can control himself. Anymore. Right, and it gives us a good. It sort of distances um, the personal connection. Yeah. We don't really know this thing anymore. It's just the werewolf. All because you know, of yeah. The, it's like instead of going. saying the name of someone, you just say the boy. Look yeah. at that boy. You know exactly, exactly. And the other thing about this transformation that I wanted to mention is that uh, Crookshanks' hair was on end again, and Crookshanks was backing away. 
from Lupin. And this is, this is Crookshanks. This is the cat that would just jump on Ron's head for no reason. And, and, you know, he's not scared of anything. He's consorting with Sirius. But, uh, when, when, when confronted by the werewolf, Crookshanks is backing away. So, and that's also mentioned in this paragraph. So we're just meant to, you know, feel the dread that she's trying to convey in this, in this section here where he's transforming. So during this whole scramble, uh, Pettigrew is able to get hold of Lupin's wand, transform, and escape. So Professor Trelawney's prediction comes true yet again that servant and master will eventually be reunited. Um, but again, there had to be ways around preventing this whole thing from happening. I mean, you could have sent for Dumbledore. You could have used a more powerful spell on Pettigrew. I mean, look at Snape. I mean, he's just bouncing up and down in the air. They they could have done something to Pettigrew so that he would have been completely knocked out. Right. So just a little yeah. bit of a lack of decision-making there uh, on their end. Well, this goes back to my whole thing on the last chapter-by-chapter chapter segment about it being Harry's decision to uh, save Pettigrew's life. Um, ultimate, ultimately, it does help him in that Pettigrew is now in debt to Harry but I think it was just a stupid decision by Lupin and Sirius. They should have agreed. They should have decided to overrule Harry and just kill him because, of course, this mm-hmm. sort of thing was going to happen. Of course, Pettigrew was going to try to get away. Right. It, well, it, they should have kept him alive, though. They shouldn't have killed him because I think Pettigrew alive is ultimately more useful for everybody, even Remus and Sirius. I mean, they should have thrown a few Crucios there to to cripple him or you know, make him more immobile, like like you guys are saying, like even a Petrificus Totalis Maximus, so that if something does go wrong, he'll be laying like a log on the ground for a few hours. Right. They should have done that, instead of leaving, you know, just tying him up. But I think, you know, everybody here is feeling a mix of emotions. They've just gotten over this whole explanation, and, I, you know, nobody's thinking properly. But that is that is a big flaw, you know, a big mistake. Yeah. Uh, in the process of all this, though, uh, Pettigrew knocks out Ron. And both Harry and Hermione are willing to leave him with a powerless Snape when they hear Sirius yelping. Sirius has obviously been injured by Lupin. And I thought this was kind of irresponsible. Um, what if Lupin came back? Um, you know, this is a complete reversal of thought from when Sirius told them to leave earlier. And Harry wanted to stay because Ron was chained to Pettigrew and he didn't want to leave his best friend. But he's more than willing to leave him alone with a knocked out professor and the chance of a werewolf returning. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah. As far as as far as the werewolf returning, like that's a good point. But in the book it's just said, you know, Harry and Hermione look at each other and they seem to unanimously decide, I think it's Harry that says, there's nothing we can do for Ron at this point. And that's why they go off and, you know, cuz Sirius is now their best friend, they want to help their best friend, but yeah, they do leave Ron behind. They do, I mean, I think they just say there's nothing we can do for him, but you're very right that you know, it's a very real danger that the the werewolf could have come back their way, doubled back, and then would have feasted on Snape and Ron. That's potentially flawed there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is risky, and it would have been interesting. But, I mean, what are they going to do? You know, if they have any, you know, if they have any ability, any way to help who is currently being attacked by the werewolf, you know, Well, they could have called for help and asked somebody to go pick up Ron. Here's a question. Here's a question. They when they find Sirius, he has a uh, he has like bite marks on him. So do you think that Sirius is now like an animagus dog who turns into a werewolf? Like do you <laughs> think that he should well, have been He's been bitten by the werewolf, so what do you he's think? He's a double animagus. He's yeah. like a an animagus. But, but he was in he was in dog form and 
it, it, isn't it true that when um when a werewolf bites um like an animal or something, it, it has no effect on them? Oh, you're right. Yeah. I think you're uh, right. Darn. Man. So close to Nana Animagus. But uh, they do find Sirius, and uh, the Dementors attack. And Harry kind of goes through this whole process of not even originally paying attention to them. He just kind of throws caution to the wind, and he doesn't realize that it's getting colder and uh, that the Dementors are there. But then, of course, they attack, and, and Harry fails multiple times to do uh, the Expecto Patronum. And Hermione is even more useless. I mean, for, for, for like, the, she does try, but for the one time, really, in, since the series has started, you know, where we are in the series, she's really just not of any use whatsoever. And yeah, that, right. that's she, different. She's not. Well, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time I say that Hermione is completely useless. Um, so these Dementors, they look to perform the kiss on both Sirius and Harry. Uh, but then a Patronus rumbles across the lake and makes them fly away. And uh, you just get a, a little bit more of a description on these Dementors and how vile and disgusting they are. You know, when, when the, the attempted kiss on Harry happens, it's described as these cold, clammy hands being around his neck. He could feel its putrid breath. And uh, kind of even worse is he talks about how the screaming of his mother would be the last thing he ever heard. That that yeah that that came very close to being the last thing he ever really did ever hear. You know, as 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 On a child, multiple occasions, Voldemort was attacking. Yeah. yeah. So I I just think this is why, and it is a very short chapter. It's only a few pages long, but I I just that in reading this, it, I was it was so satisfying and it's so terrifying because you know previously she describes Lupin's transformation. Uh, like a page ago, and now we're actually seeing a Dementor about to give Harry the Dementor's kiss. And, you know, the descriptors that she uses, and, it, you know, the clammy, you know, hands and the breath, and it, its eyes are described as being, like, scabbed over. Incredibly scary. You know, in, just incredibly scary. And then there are all these these scary moments in this chapter where it's, like, it's very tense. It's very ominous, and it's very very tense, very yeah. quickly. Well, you could have the whole discussion here. Is had the kiss actually occurred, what would have happened to the Horcrux? That was in Harry? Yeah, you know what? Somebody actually emailed in about this. Some, um, somebody I've been talking to recently asked me that same question. She wanted to, us to bring that up this week. It's funny you mentioned that. Well, the Dementor's uh, kiss specifically sucks out a soul, right? So, is the question, if it sucked out Harry's Soul? Would it suck out Harry's soul or the piece of Voldemort's soul that's in Harry? Yeah. Um. Th- this girl I'm referring to, Samantha, she asked, if the Dementors gave Harry the kiss, would it suck out Harry's soul and leave Voldy's or suck out both or take only Voldy's? If it took a- if it took Harry's and left Voldy's, would Harry turn into another Voldemort or just be an empty Horcrux shell? I thought I could use another opinion and maybe you could... Uh, blah, blah, blah. So. Well, what if it was just a little kiss? Wouldn't that just suck out just the Voldemort part? I mean, j- 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 <laughs> Just a little tap on the cheek or something, like a, a little, little, little love tap, a little, just a little bit, <laughs> so just just to take the edge off of Harry. Yeah, just <laughs> the edge off. <laughs> From the sound of things here, though, I mean, it sounds like it would have been Harry's soul. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, the I mean, soul that losing. inhabits his body. Well, you know, the ki- yeah, the Dementor kiss of death basically is it leaves you with nothing so it would, it would that, take both was it that harry's scar was a horcrux or was it harry himself because like this is another reason i always hated the harry's a horcrux thing but 
It came no, out to be I think it's Harriet like, himself because the scar is still there. So then what is, why is, exactly, so why is Harry, like, would it have sucked out both of them then? And, like, I, I just think, regardless, I think Voldemort's soul would have been floating somewhere inside a Dementor. And that is <laughs> that is something you don't want. Because who's going to go into a den of Dementors and look for the Dementor with, with well, Voldemort's soul? What would happen soul? to the Dementor when it sucks uh, Voldemort's soul? Well, then again, maybe, maybe Dementors, after they suck out somebody's soul, they digest it. Maybe someone's soul is no more. So well, using a Dementor to get rid of a Horcrux might be effective. That's heavy. Yeah. So <laughs> just just to wrap up the chapter, uh, Harry thinks before he collapses uh, that he sees someone all too familiar on the other side of the lake. And I remember when I first read this book, I thought that it was quite possible that Harry's father was alive. Mm. And I was wondering, did any of you other guys think this? I mean, they don't say specifically that's Harry's father, but I think you can kind of figure that out um, mm-hmm. from from what well, happens. And Harry here. later, Harry later says it. So yeah, well, I mean, when right. and, and and Joe plays with it too. She's like, she says something along. I forget if it's in this chapter, or the next one, where she's like, "Is it possible that all four of the Marauders have rode again tonight on the Hogwarts grounds?" You know, and and you're, it really gets you to think. You know, what do you know about the past, and could Harry's father be alive? And I think it's it's definitely a possibility. She's toying with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she and and she has Harry go like, it was hard to make out, but I think it was. So I thought it was interesting. I think I believed it could have been too. I mean, that would have been an amazing twist to see uh, that one of Harry's parents is indeed alive. Um Mm-hmm. But you know, it all comes around when he realizes it was actually himself, right? And, and there wasn't much um, space in between to really, you know, um, to really think about it, too. I mean, it was pretty much proven in less than a chapter that it that it was actually Harry. Yeah, yeah. But it's just something that she does. And I mean, I remember back then I, I was a big subscriber actually to a to a theory that um, it actually came out, you know, later. But it was that. Uh, as of this point in the series, I think it was speculated that uh, Remus um, and James uh, may have switched bodies, like using like a switching spell or whatever, and so that it was actually James Potter that had been mentoring Harry all year, um, and that Remus was killed with Lily. Um, it was very interesting at the time because there were there was some like evidence, there's like just little in in the, in the text. It's a great theory. It's the Remus and James theory, but um, you know anything was possible. And you know we're going back to this innocent time in the in the series where you know Joe is playing with this, where she's like, you know, could Harry's father have really been, you know, alive? And and it's just it's a great place to be when reading these books because yeah. it's uh, well. Yeah. The, the other thing, though, is that we didn't know about Hermione at this point. Obviously, we learned about it in the next chapter, but that that's what made it seem like such a possibility. You didn't realize that you were about to go back in time. Yeah. Right. A- absolutely. And Well, s- speaking of that, let's get into the next chapter, chapter... 21 Hermione's secret um, well the last the previous chapter chapter 20 ends uh, again in a very scary spot Harry passes out and Sirius is next to him passed out and Hermione is passed out everybody's passed out on the bank of a river 
you know, the Dementors may be gone, the threat of the Dementors may be gone, but you just don't know what's going to happen. And so the opening, then, of Chapter 21, in the first two lines, you know, Joe answers the question, and it's in the form of quotes. Uh, (laughs) Here are the first two lines of Chapter 21. Shocking business. Shocking. Miracle none of them died. Never heard the like. By thunder, it was lucky you were there, Snape. Snape says, Thank you, Minister. And I just gotta say, reading this, after reading the previous chapter, you know, the first two lines, you you just think, oh no. You know, what what could have happened? Because Snape is, you know, the Minister of Magic is there, and Snape is, is being commended. You just know something bad is up. And <laughs> so, you know, the next few lines, uh, Snape, you know, goes on to say that Sirius Black had confunded the trio, and that, uh, you know all sorts of all sorts of bad you know wrongs that happen and and we find out that Sirius is about to die um or get his soul sucked out and Snape is basically the leading force in 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 doing that so Snape has taken all the credit um and may even be getting an order of more Merlin what do you guys think of 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 Snape's uh you know methods here because he's he's really not a good guy at this point yeah I mean, and, and when we later see Snape react negatively when he finds out that Snape, es- or that, that Sirius escaped, I mean, he's, uh, as I mentioned in our upcoming segment, he's, he's, he's the worst we've ever seen him. He's so angry. I don't think we've ever seen him that angry. Yeah. He just so bad wants to get revenge. He's clouded by it, really. I mean, he doesn't really even think, think straight. Especially once Sirius escapes, and to hear that he's 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 receiving he could receive an order of Merlin first class for for getting his revenge. I mean that just must thrill him. But at the mm-hmm. same time, he saves their butts, Harry, Ron, and Hermione. If you think about it, I mean, well, he's he's obviously not telling the truth relating to Sirius, but I mean, those kids could have been in a lot of trouble for what they did. And Snape is kind of giving them an out by saying they got confunded. Yeah, I mean, but it's also easier because that would make him the only conscious one in the entire group. So th- that would that would lead everyone to believe that only Sirius is, or Sirius, only Snape's word is um, correct. I just so Harry Harry wakes up and he you know this is I marked this as his first real confrontation with authority. Minister, listen, he says. Uh, Sirius Black's innocent. Peter Pettigrew faked his own death. We saw him tonight. You can't let the Dementors do that thing to Sirius. And it says, but Fudge was shaking his head with a small smile on his face. Harry, Harry, you're very confused. You've been through a dreadful ordeal. Lie back down now. We've got everything under control. Harry shouts, you haven't. You've got the wrong man. da 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 So Snape you know, is just a driving force. He, he he tells Fudge, you know, oh, they're confounded. You see, Minister, you know, they're totally out of their minds. And this this makes it worse. I think rereading this, Snape is my least favorite character in the entire series as a result of his actions here. Because <laughs> if you think about it, no, no, not Fudge. Fudge, fudge is, just, is an idiot. Fudge yeah, is, is reliably Fudge. He's just he's just incompetent. There's there's no t- changing that. But Snape has an opportunity because. At this point, Pettigrew is off to find Voldemort, and, and he, it's it's basically it's Snape's inaction in, at this point in the series that directly leads to Voldemort's uprising. And maybe I've covered this in two or three points here, but I basically say that Snape, you know, we can fault Snape for this because it's it's his 
Because at this point, the, the ministry could have searched for Pettigrew. You know, if Snape had said, look, minister, there's a very real possibility that Pettigrew is still alive, that would have changed the entire series, and, and, and Voldemort would not have come back to power. But because Snape is, is going to suck out the soul of the only man who can prove that Pettigrew is still alive, um, possibly, because this whole time is there's no proof. There's no proof of anything. Dumbledore but is Dumbledore... Yeah, yeah. But as Dumbledore mentions, you know, it's hard to believe thirteen-year-old wizards, and I think I do sort of agree with that. Now, granted, Snape is—I mean, do you, do you think Snape actually believes they've been confunded? It—it's it, a question, and the the difference is that in the book he hasn't seen Pettigrew, which yeah. actually you know lends some credibility to his behaving the way he is. Is that he's been, you know, out of it, and they use that head bonking spell on him. I, I just don't know. But the point is, Snape is just behaving so. He just wants Sirius Black's soul to be sucked out as vengeance for that childhood prank. And, you know, instead of telling the Ministry that they have a problem and that they need to find Pettigrew before something bad happens. And honestly, Fudge is really excited just to get the whole Sirius Black situation over with yeah that he's just ready to believe any story yeah absolutely and that's that's manipulating fudge too snape is you know accepting this this award for it you know and and in return you know freeing fudge of this year-long crisis well do you think it's just the the childhood grudge because a lot of people wrote in this these last two weeks saying that it's more to do with lily and that snape holds serious responsible for lily's death and that's why he's so adamant about making sure that that he ends up in Azkaban or or gets killed. If that's mm. true, that makes it that's a good idea. But it makes it even worse that he didn't stay to listen about the Pettigrew thing because no, if, because if Pettigrew were actually the secret keeper, he has no reason to be upset for Lily. And that the plus he asked didn't Snape ask Voldemort specifically not to kill Lily? So the only person he should blame for Lily's death is Vold- is Voldemort for you know, killing her anyway. Because he was he was prepared at Snape's request to let her live. The only thing is she wouldn't stand aside, so he did have to kill her. Like, that's nobody's fault. He shouldn't fault anybody for that. There's a... Okay, just as I'm about to cry, um, Dumbledore arrives, which is cool. Um, he's already been to see Sirius Black, so he's kind of got a story from Sirius. Um, and I just remarked that it was really good that Dumbledore came so so quickly to... You know, by the time we see him, he's already spoken with Sirius. So he's taking charge here. He's not letting, you know, in contrast to book four, where they're able to suck out Barty Crouch Jr.'s soul before anybody sees anybody. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot more going on with Voldemort's actual uprising. But this time he's been to see Sirius, and there's a great Snape-Dumbledore moment where... Um, you know, Dumbledore asked to speak to the trio alone because, uh, you know, they're getting nowhere and trying to convince the minister, da 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 And Snape says to him, Sirius Black showed he was capable of murder at the age of 16. You haven't forgotten that, Headmaster. You haven't forgotten that he once tried to kill me. And, you know, Snape has taken this very personally, and Dumbledore simply says, my memory is as good as it ever was. Um, now, I just wrote here that Snape has actually reason now to feel personally affronted that Dumbledore doesn't care for Snape's life uh, or, or a failed murder attempt by Sirius. And he's, he's basically, Dumbledore is more interested in protecting Sirius at the moment than avenging, uh, you know, Snape's, basically than, than 
than righting a wrong. And I, I think Snape, you know, it's very personal here between Snape and Dumbledore. And it's just very interesting because Snape and Dumbledore eventually make the decision to kill Dumbledore, you know, in, in book six. And so they have a long and storied history, obviously, you know, even by this point. Um, it's just so interesting to read Snape and Dumbledore here. What were you guys thinking when you were reading, you know, this this scene with Dumbledore and Snape? He sounds like a baby. You know, like he's a man. Grow yeah. up. You know, you surely don't believe a word of black story. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on, man. Well, he sh- he obviously feels guilt. Um, feels the guilt towards it because he knows how smart Dumbledore is. So I I bet he's he's basically trying to pull anything out of you know his rear end at the moment just just to make sure that Dumbledore's on his side. He's trying to fight a losing battle. Right. He's de- he's talking desperate like this because he knows that if he wants to talk privately to Harry and Hermione, then he must have his suspicions about Snape's um, argument. He's like, oh, God, Dumbledore's here. Look, I'm sorry. I, I, I swear to God, it's me. That's the good one. It's just so, it, it, you know, in Snape reading this, you know, Snape talking to Dumbledore, he talks to Dumbledore like Harry talks to Dumbledore. You know, like he's a pupil, like nobody can possibly match Dumbledore's power. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's he's begging him to, you know, see the see the see his way. So okay, so here's Dumbledore's strategy. He informs Harry and Hermione that they are Sirius's only hope. He says nobody will believe them. They say there's Lupin. He says Lupin is busy digesting Crookshanks somewhere and is AFK BBLTTY. Then Dumbledore says something interesting. He says that he himself gave evidence to the Ministry that Black was the Potter's secret keeper. This I found very interesting when I was reading it. What kind of evidence does Dumbledore mean that he gave to the Ministry that Sirius was the Potter's secret keeper? Does he mean testimony? And why doesn't he say testimony then? Is there any evidence produced, tangible, like as a result of the Fidelius charm? Did the Potters intentionally fake this evidence and give it to Dumbledore to protect themselves from Dumbledore or others? Like, do you guys see what I'm saying here? Because Dumbledore says he gave evidence that the that Black was the Potter's secret keeper, but I'm saying what kind of evidence could that possibly be? Just backstory, I guess. I don't, that was I don't know. in the form of testimony. I mean, there's no, like, clues. There's no, like, fingerprints or anything, if that's what you're referring yeah, to. Yeah, because it's not like, you know, you have somebody's wand and you say priori incantatum and you can tell that they cast the dark mark last, you know? It's right. not like that. So, that the fact that Dumbledore not only didn't know this, that Pettigrew was the real secret keeper, but that he gave evidence against Sirius, it just makes me really curious what that evidence was. Could he have provided yeah, a memory? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. He could have, except wh- how good was his memory would have to be circumstantial because his memory wouldn't be of them actually performing the Fidelius charm because if he were present, he would know that that's P- Pettigrew that they made the actual secret keeper. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's probably more testimony than anything else. Just testimony. Because, I mean, yeah, we, I we know so they too. were going to. We know they were yeah. going to make Sirius the secret keeper. And last minute, Sirius suggested, well, why not Peter? So, anyway, that was my question. Um, What we need, said Dumbledore slowly, and his light blue eyes turned from Harry to Hermione, is more time. But, Hermione began, and then her eyes became very round. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You got to wonder how long that O really was, if that that really It's it's only one H. You know, I I may have exaggerated. It's only one H in the book. Oh. Yeah, like, oh. It's just... Harry, I like Hermione in this chapter because, you know, 
I'll just continue. All right. Hermione takes uh, Harry on a trip through time, and the first thing she does is push him into a broom closet, which I say is hot. Um, but why does the time turn to take them from the hospital ward to the entrance hall? Because they specifically mention that they're not in the hospital ward anymore. Yeah, but I was wondering this, too. They, they, they go back in time, they go back three hours, three turns ought to do it, and they appear in the middle of the entrance hall. Wouldn't you risk huge exposure just appearing exactly. in the middle of the entrance hall? Exactly. Like, sh- well, you know, in the movie, they do it right. They go back in time, and they're there. And they're in, and the, they're, in the hospital And they're nursing. So right, I wonder, they're in the hospital So ward. I wonder if Joe said to, you know, Quaron or whoever, you know, it's okay if you fix this, because it's kind of an interesting because like, yeah I mean, I mean was it just a timing thing in the book I guess like would it have sl- so like, that they could it, see themselves running through the entrance hall because that's what they do they have to immediately go into the broom closet because they're right. running down the steps right and, and that's how Harry sort of gets the idea that they've traveled back in time yeah it's interesting but like, there could have been another way it's a way device to, to play the story but it's like yeah there could have been another way because are we meant to believe then that Hermione every time Hermione went back in time she appeared in the middle of the entrance hall yeah, you know, I that, agree. I don't, again, I don't it like that. Conducive to to changing the past, you know, which you're not supposed to do. Um, so basically, yeah, Herm- Hermione and Harry have all these moments uh, throughout throughout this chapter that they're they're trying to figure out what Dumbledore was hinting that they should do. They immediately decide that it's to rescue Buckbeak as well and fly him up to Sirius's window. So I just wrote here that watching their brains work in unison really rocks, <laughs> um, and. It's like you know, a symphony. It, it it's like a symphony. It's like it's like a symphony with electric violin. Is there such thing as electric violin? Sure. Okay. Uh, so there's a moment, and I just wanted to say while they're on the outing, there's a moment where Harry has to give up. Uh, his his he's tempted to right the wrong of Pettigrew's escape. He asks Hermione, "Could they just run into Hagrid's hut and?" capture kill him scabbers quick. the or rat capture him, right you know and and she says no harry you know that would ruin everything there are wizards you know what would you do if you saw your future self etc 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 um but later on then too they are waiting outside the whomping willow and harry sees that the invisibility cloak i don't know how he sees that it's still there but he knows that the invisibility cloak is just in front of the willow somewhere and he says well why can't we grab the cloak and Snape, that way Snape won't be able to sneak up on us in the Shrieking Shack, and things won't go wrong that way. And Hermione tells him, no, you might still be seen, and it probably wouldn't be good. And sure enough, this is a moment I completely forgot about was in the books. Hagrid comes, and he's walking across the you know the yard of the Hogwarts grounds. <laughs> he's carrying a large bottle of brandy and singing as the, at the top of his lungs. <laughs> and she, Joe doesn't say what he's singing, but it's, it's interesting because... A, I forgot that this existed, and I, I know I'm not, you know, I'm fallible here. But, but uh, that seems to be definitive. I mean, that answers the question. Yes, you would have been seen by Hagrid, but it seems very convenient because that seemed like a, a, a more uh, acceptable thing to do when you change the past is to just grab the invisibility cloak. Like that wouldn't hurt anybody. But then there was Hagrid. Singing. And so the, we have seen drunk Hagrid before. The Half Blood Prince film was not the first time. Yeah, yeah, and, and here we are. We forgot all about it. Not only that, but how many teachers at Hogwarts carry brandy bottles? Like Trelawney, I know, that shouldn't be Trelawney acceptable. is carrying sherry around when Harry bumps into her and in, is it book six? So how many how many how many teachers are not only are alcoholics but carry their booze with them like as they're traveling through the castle? Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to go around and, you know, go to Hogsmeade and have a butterbeer or two, but exactly. on the grounds, it's not acceptable. Hagrid, exactly. Well, Hagrid's so, obviously mm-hmm. happy that Buckbeak has gotten away, so he's having yeah, a few Yeah, that, that may be the reason, yeah. 
Yeah, well, celebration is in order, but still, seriously. Dumbledore's got a brother down in the pub. He'll he'll hook you up, Hagrid, if you want to celebrate. Um, there you go. All the goat confetti. All the goats and all the confetti uh, that you want. Um, okay, so then Harry actually confides in Hermione that he does think he saw his dad. Because it's getting to be about that time where Harry starts to think about what really happened at the lake. And he... It, it, again, just a tender moment with Harry and Hermione that's awesome and that this chapter is really riddled with. Um, she, you know, hears that he thinks it's his dad, and she basically, you know, the only thing she can think of to say is, Harry, your your dad's dead. Um, and she says it as lightly as possible, but um, Harry is adamant that, you know, that what he saw conjure the Patronus was not a ghost. Um, so... Then it happens, and he realizes that he's, you know, that it was actually him, which is a really cool moment in the series. And, you know, he's described as just jumping out, and he's cast the full-fledged Patronus, you know, for the first time he's ever done it. And, you know, he says later, the reason I could do it is because I knew that I had already done it. So that's a happy thought. Um, But they are able to rescue Sirius Black, finishing this up. They're able to fly uh, Buckbeak up to the window and... Um, Black's parting words to Harry are, you are truly your father's son, uh, Harry. You know, he's he's shocked. He, You know, they don't have a lot of time. He wants to waste time talking to them and thanking them, da-da-da-da-da. And they say, you know, Sirius, you got to get out of here because the, 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 the executioner is going to come any minute with the Dementors. And, you know, so the only thing he can say is, you are truly your father's son, Harry. Boom. And he's gone. That, was a, that was a sweet parting line. Hey, I'm. I guess Sirius is clearly very happy with Harry. Yeah, I would not be surprised if he were to give him some gifts later on. Well, <laughs> yes. Well, look at you. Uh, you really have that uh, knack for prophecy, Andrew. So, speaking of that, it's time now for the final <laughs> chapter, chapter twenty-two. Everyone, have your Kleenex out. This is a very sad that we're wrapping up a na- another chapter by chapter six. Uh, I was just kidding, Matt. I don't need that. Oh. Okay. Just handed me Kleenex. I didn't really need that. (laughs) Um, Chapter 22, I'll post again. By the way, Eric, nice job. You knocked it out with two minutes to spare. Oh, we'll use up that two minutes. What what a lazy... I was going to say that uh, that, uh, (laughs) Black fit through the window, which is just a sign of how emaciated he was. Because they're like, they, they tap on the window, they open it up. And they uh, they tell Sirius get out, and he just he jumps out. He doesn't question it. He's he's about to he's about to have his soul sucked out. He's thinking, you know, he's about he, to be freed. He's about to be free. So he, so he jumps out the window, and he fits out the window, and that was just a sign of how amazing. Well, I can add something too, as long as we you know we have a minute and ten seconds left here. But uh, you know, fudge. I mean, this is really the the first sign of things to come, like in Goblet of Fire too. Obviously, at the end of that chapter is where things really s- split between. Dumbledore and Fudge, but it kind of starts here, with, with them not agreeing on Sirius, even though it, they don't really have that conversation, uh, you know, and Fudge doesn't know anything about what Dumbledore does, but it, it all kind of begins here. Yeah, where, where Fudge is looking to end the crisis, you know, there's been this serious black crisis for a year, the, you know, Fudge sees himself as, 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 you know, being responsible, being tasked to end this, and he finally has a chance to end it, and he says, no, you know, like, there's nothing, there's nothing to worry about. We got it under yeah. control, we're gonna, we're gonna kill Sirius. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right, it's a sign of things to come. We gotta stop trusting Fudge. Exactly. Go ahead, Andrew. So now, th- huh? Go ahead with the chapter that was lazily named. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, chapter 22, I'll post again. <laughs> lazily uh, named? Why do you say lazily named? 
couldn't come up with something better than Owl Post again. It's circular. <laughs> the whole book is about time oh, travel. Oh, give me it's a circular. break. The first again. chapter is Owl Post. Joe is just it's ready nice. to get it to press. Owl Post. Here we go again. <laughs> That's a heck of an accusation, Micah. All right. Owl Post again. So chapter opens up. Harry and Hermione make it back to the nursing ward just in the nick of time. They let Dumbledore know that the plan was was uh, was a success. And uh, I love this part in the movie, too, because Dumbledore turns around just as he's shutting the doors. And there are Harry and Hermione running up. And and Dumbledore says how how to go. It was a sweet movie, movie moment. Unsurprisingly, Snape sees that Snape has escaped and he's the angriest I think we've ever or will, will ever see him. Would you guys all agree with that? This is yes. the angriest we've ever seen Snape. I was very upset that they didn't have this in the film because I was really excited to see if, if, if Snape in the film would be really exciting and angry. But. He, was, he was yelling in all caps. Yeah, I mean, that, that's AIM. That's a lot. There was a lot of anger. Mike and Eric, would you agree? This is the angriest we ever see Snape? With, yeah. I mean, with, with the movie, though, like, I was thinking about this while reading this chapter series, and Quaron cares about characters, like, like Harry's character development. There's a scene where he's crying, you know, but at the same time, you know, Quaron doesn't care about character development, or he would have included all that backstory. Yeah, but movie aside, is it, <laughs> Never mind. I just think that's why we didn't. See, that's why we didn't yeah. see it in the movie. But that's why um, you're, you're saying that's why we didn't see Snape screaming. No, in the I'm movie. just wondering: is this the angriest we've ever seen him? No, I books, think period. I think he's angrier when he's confronted by Harry at the end of Half Blood Prince. Oh, especially because of what he's just had to do. Snape's emotional turmoil for having to kill Dumbledore. I'm sure that Snape. That's true. So there's a lot of internal anger. This uh, this was more like out out <laughs> mm-hmm. verbal um so dumbledore and fudge calm snape down trying to explain there's no way they could have escaped and freed sirius fudge is surprised at the way snape is reacting here here and says to dumbledore fellow seems quite unbalanced i'd watch out for him if i were you i thought that was kind of a bit of foreshadowing uh, the snape killing dumbledore watch out for him <laughs> oh meanwhile he was all ready to give him a order of merlin first class and two chapters yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah he was able to give somebody who's who's a, an unbalanced fellow. Sure but here's the thing. A, what a moron should, Fudge is. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> shouldn't Fudge be equally upset? Shouldn't Fudge be threatening Dumbledore at this point? Where where Sirius has just escaped from Dumbledore's castle. Dumbledore was the last person to see Sirius. Wouldn't Dumbledore, you know, couldn't he accuse Dumbledore of giving Sirius the key to the bars? You know... That seems that seems incredibly suspect. Yeah, it is strange. Right. Well, the next day, um, the next day, the trio are released from the hospital wing, and since all the students are at Hogsmeade, they go to visit Hagrid, and Hagrid is thrilled that Buckbeak escaped, as evidenced by the previous night before and his drinking habits. If I were the trio, I would have uh, taken credit for Hagrid or for for freeing Buckbeak. I mean, couldn't they have told Hagrid? Because they wouldn't even have to mention that they were doing time travel. They could have just said, hey, look, um, you know, when when we ran out of your hut yesterday, we actually freed him. So would, would that have been a bad idea? I mean, I think, I it's, I think it's like it's like it's like Harry giving his Triwizard earnings to Fred and George and not advertising that he did that. You know, oh. I think it's I think it's something where they're just admiring that it that it worked. 
And so they're not going to, you know, they're just going to let Hagrid be happy without taking credit for it. Well, I suppose. I'm one to take credit for everything. It's true. So Hagrid tells the trio Lupin is resigning because of the werewolf ordeal, which upsets them all. And Harry decides to go visit Lupin, who is, of course, packing in his office. And they have a nice discussion. Lupin says Snape let it slip that he was a werewolf and no parents would want uh, would want one teaching at the school. Harry tells Lupin about the Patronus he performed the previous night. And Lupin uh, was very impressed and very proud of him because it's sort of, um, you know, finally that moment had come where Harry could cast successfully cast a um, Patronus after Lupin kept trying to teach him. Lupin leaves and Dumbledore enters, and Harry and Dumbledore get into a discussion about Lupin, Sirius, and the Patronus. And here comes another great Dumbledore line. He, um, they're talking about, Harry's talking about seeing his father cast the Patronus. And Dumbledore says, you think the dead ever truly leave us? You think that we don't recall them more clearly than ever in times of great trouble? What kind of an accent is that? It's just me getting into the moment. Do you think that this is the best thing ever? Dumbledore also mentions that Trelawney's prediction about someone joining the Dark Lord was indeed accurate. And it was her second accurate prediction. Now, help me refresh my memory. Is this the first time we learn of Trelawney make, having the first correct prediction? I think so, yeah. Mm, does anyone remember reading this for the first time and going, what is he referring to? And why didn't Harry ask? Surely Harry didn't assume it was the prediction about the last to stand at the table, if, right? If he would have asked about it, I'm sure Dumbledore would have said, you know, the time not yet, alas, the first question you ask me is not the you one You're not old enough. You're a pig for <laughs> slaughter, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Machiavellian figure. It is it's time a- I tell you everything. This time, I'm going to tell you everything. But going back to uh, to just real quick to Lupin, Andrew, what you brought up, I mean, do you think that that was Snape's way of trying to get the job again by saying that Lupin was a werewolf, you know, knowing how much he wants to be the defense against the dark arts teacher, or do you just think it was out oh, of yeah. frustration or both? Well, I'm sure Snape was thrilled to have another shot at it. I, th- I think it was more of a frustration. I don't think Snape has ever had a shot at the DADA position. The only reason he ends up getting a position as DADA is when he has that agreement with Dumbledore. So I don't think it's... um. You know, presumably afterwards, Snape won't be back to teach at Hogwarts. I was listening to Old MuggleCast, and we were predicting that Minerva McGonagall would be headmistress. Nobody saw it coming that Snape was going to be the new headmaster after what he did to Dumbledore. So I'm just saying, you know, Snape in the DADA position, I don't think he had a chance of of getting it. I I think it was more out of of guilt, because Dumbledore wanted to keep him away just to, as Snape says, not tempt him. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's a final decision in that part. The only thing that changes that is is the events of book six. But yeah, I think I think Lupin, I think Sn- Snape tries to take it out on Lupin, and that's why. But he when tells you him. desire a position like that so much, I think surely there's there's a little hope within you that thinks, oh well, on top of getting rid of this werewolf in the castle, I also have another shot. I can just see Snape going on the wire and being like, like, how would he announce that Lupin is 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 this werewolf? Like, does he write to the prophet? You know, dear prophet, I am a fellow professor at Hogwarts School, and I want to write about my, you know, who happens to be a werewolf. Like, that that's kind of, not only is that a wormy thing to do, but how how is it that Snape lets that slip? I don't know, Eric. Some, so, some things about Snape we will just never know. It's true. 
We see that Percy is upset about Sirius escaping and says that if he ever works for the Ministry, he'll make lots of proposals about magical law enforcement. Does he ever follow through with that? I mean, you know, we obviously he gets into the Ministry, but that's not his job. He's he's more of Fudge's um, assistant, right? And he doesn't... I mean, maybe down the road further he does, but we don't actually see him doing any of that. It's just Percy being Percy. All talk. All talk. He shouldn't be in the ministry. Nobody in politics should be all talk. So, moving along, as the trio get ready to board the Hogwarts Express to conclude another year, Hermione reveals that she dropped Muggle Studies despite doing really well. She said she couldn't handle all the extra effort with the time-turning. Finally, Hermione admits she can't do everything. Hallelujah! 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 Micah, what was your reaction to this? You're one to you're one who loves Hermione, and to hear that she's not as perfect as we make her or as she makes herself out to be. Yeah, it's kind of a well. I mean, it's not just that specific course she was using it for, right? I mean, there were other courses that she was going back in time to yeah. take. So there were two or three. So, but I guess after her third year, can she choose to get rid of some others? Maybe I don't know, but uh, yeah, it was it was good to see some humility there, and and for her to realize she doesn't need Muggle studies anyway. She is a Muggle for the most part. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, she's, yeah. she's she. I don't know. That's she's, a controversial she's got statement. Dentist, she's got dentist parents. Come on. Yeah, I mean, but she she knows everything that. that she needs to know about muggles, and she lives with them. Well, actually, muggle studies is less a class about what muggles are about than what wizards think muggles are about. So, for that, and that's the reason she gave at the beginning of the year for taking. Well, then that she class. should teach it. That's true, <laughs> but she's not going to. You know, that's that's a small step in actually overcoming the large ignorance that the entire wizarding world public faces towards muggles. Ron offers Harry a place to stay at the house for the summer especially since the Quidditch World Cup is happening that summer, which was kind of cool. This is one of the few books where we get to hear what's coming up. Yeah. And, I, I mean, we didn't know for sure if that was going to be in Goblet of Fire at that point, but it was kind of cool to see what was coming up. Well, I like how he also said that he was going to call him, and everybody remembers that scene from Goblet of Fire when right. Ron calls <laughs> and Vernon goes crazy. Yeah, that that's a very funny moment. And... uh so Harry, so Harry's very excited about that. While on the train heading back to Platform Nine and Three Quarters, a small owl tries to get through the window of their cabin to deliver a letter to Harry. It's a letter from Sirius, who tells Harry he was the one who gave him the firebolt. He also provides written permission for Harry to visit Hogsmeade, which was pretty bittersweet. And he also offers Ron the owl, since it was his fault that Ron no longer had scabbers. So overall, everyone was pretty happy with Sirius at that point. I Hermione mean, uh, got the shaft, though. She didn't get anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she didn't get anything. <laughs> she really didn't. Sirius has a thing for guys. I thought what I thought I it was cool sense. that uh, that Ron kind of does a, a complete turnaround with Crookshanks, and he he puts uh, yeah. the owl up to Crookshanks's nose and asks if, asks him if it's safe or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. It was that. Well, look how much respect. Look how much respect uh, he has for Crookshanks now. I mean, and it's understandable. It it was. It was very nice to see. They get off the train. Harry tells Uncle Vernon his godfather is convicted killer, and all is well. 
And that wraps up chapter by chapter for this Prisoner of Azkaban book. We have now completed four books in the series. We've gone chapter by chapter for every, for, for Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban, and Deathly Hallows. That's pretty good. So we have three more books. We did one, seven, two, and three in that order. So we really have about ten more books to go with the size of those three. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. But it's pretty impressive. It's really nice to have this in-depth in-depth analysis for now four books in the Harry Potter series, and hopefully we can get through them all before we all die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when you were talking about when you were talking about the Wizarding World, or sorry, the the Quidditch World Cup being announced, I just wanted to mention that uh, going the whole, it, it literally going the whole book um, without knowing at the beginning of book one, Sirius Black is mentioned. Hagrid says best be getting young Sirius Black his motorbike back. And if if anybody, and I, I don't know anybody who did, but if anybody picked that up that, you know, that was mentioned in book one and then book three, even on the back cover, it's all about this escaped convict Sirius Black. That really didn't have a payoff until the very, very end when we realized that it had to do specifically with the night that the Potters were killed. You know, that, that, that would have been interesting if you were somebody who picked up that it was Sirius Black um, before it was revealed in Prisoner of Azkaban. So now we actually have a couple of Twitter questions to wrap up this segment. Do you think they will reveal the authors of the Marauder's Map in the Deathly Hallows movie? No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> it's, it's a moot point at this point. It, it doesn't matter. Plus, That's from Terra817. Is the Deathly Hallows even? Isn't the Marauder's Map even important in Deathly Hallows? What do you What do you think, Micah? Is it important? I feel like if we say no, there's going to be a scene that we're forgetting about towards the end. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like it just I mean, it just seems like Voldemort gives Harry an ultimatum to come out into the forest, and the Marauder's Map doesn't cover the forest. You know, and they have a Room of Requirement tunnel that goes straight from Hogsmeade all the way to the Room of Requirement, so it's not like they need to escape maybe what about when they're using it to are they trying to avoid the caros are they using the marauders map to try and avoid the caros is that what happens i'm trying to remember who's even in possession of it in in that book because a map of hogwarts is like is only good to somebody at hogwarts but harry didn't hand it off to anybody at the end of book six that i can think of. i mean it's not crucial to the plot oh wait i know i seem to i seem to remember they have it while camping like, for some reason, like, Harry might just open it up once and see what's going on at Hogwarts. Oh, yeah, it says that... Oh, that's right. In death, yeah, he looks in on Ginny. Which is kind of creepy. what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't see that much from the map. You're at the, uh, you're at the library. It is, it is his spy to Hogwarts. You're, when, you're at the library, Ginny. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you with Dean Thomas then? I'm watching you in the restricted section. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this coming? Dean Thomas? What? Oh, wait, he's on the run anyways in Deathly Hallows, so she wouldn't be with him. And from APGB, he or she writes in, Who do you guys think betrayed Harry's parents most, Severus Snape or Peter Pettigrew? I think it was Pettigrew. Yeah, but that's a good question, isn't it? Like, because Severus obviously wouldn't want to do anything that is specifically betraying Lily. So if if we voted him as the person who most betrayed Harry's parents, then... I don't know, that's a good but- question, because... It's betrayed not them they, how? Yeah. I think uh, I mean we we got to put into account of how much trust the um, Harry's parents put into those two characters, and I think they put their most trust in Peter Pettigrew, so he betrayed them the most. Now it's time for Muggle Mail this week. 
The first one comes from Catherine14 of Spring, Texas. It's actually about the Marauders map. Hey guys, you are all awesome, and I especially like Lady Dumbledore and Fox. I just have one question for you. If Scabbers had been in Ron's family for 12 years, and Fred and George had the Marauders map since their first year, why didn't they see Peter Pettigrew on the maps? Keep up the great work, Pickles. Why did this just get into the, um, you know, why are they just noticing Pettigrew now? Yeah, well, they don't notice him, but J.K. Rowling pointed out that um, Fred and George never noticed Pettigrew on the Marauders map because they didn't know who he was. Even if they had recognized his name, they would have assumed he was just a student with the same last name. Pettigrew was one of many moving dots on the map, and Fred and George would have only been focused on the path their mischief took that day. Now, I'm not really sure I like this explanation because... That's a direct quote from Joe, by the way. Yeah, that's from her site. And the thing is, the reason why I don't like it is... But you would have seen Peter Pettigrew with Ron all the time. He would have always been with the same, or with Percy before that. Right. So, wouldn't that be suspicious? It it would have been like, hey, Percy, you know, who's your new friend, Peter? And he'd be like, what? And he'd be like, well, we always see you hanging out together. Like, I think Fred and George would have been concerned with where their brother was hanging out, even if it's just to taunt him, watching their brother, you know, go around Hogwarts. Yeah, it's a great, great question. And you have all these moving dots. I get that. But at some point, Fred and George would look in on Ron, you know, and see, oh, what's, who's this Peter Pettigrew person who's in our dorm, who's here right yeah, now? Yeah, the boys' you know, dormitory. Bed? The boys' dormitory in Ron's bed next to Ron every <laughs> night. For the, it's a big deal. That will deal. raise some eyebrows. Yeah. It's a big it deal. Is, I mean, it is very strange. So, so uh, bad explanation. I'm sorry. Oh, plot hole. All right. Well, we'll have her try again the next time we speak with her. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, next email. Matt, can you read that one from Scott? Yeah, sure. Our next email comes from Scott Twenty from New York, and he writes, "Hey there, MuggleCast. Well, I was thinking of the magic justice system a little while back. I wondered why they didn't put, just put the thoughts of those who were present in the Shrieking Shack in a pensive. Then everyone would see Pettigrew was alive." And many people would be, and many problems would be solved, including Sirius's criminal record. Tell me what you think. That's a good question because pensives don't lie. I mean, you can tamper with a memory, though, can't you? But at the same time, when Dumbledore is telling them that the word of three thirteen-year-olds isn't going to change anything, he fails to mention that he has a pensive. And to be perfectly honest, if three separate people's memory would show exactly what happened, it seems very likely that it would be that that would be good Well, evidence. hold on. How could they have gotten the memories, though? I mean, lo- there's a time issue here, too. They they didn't have time to get these memories extra- extracted. Lupin wasn't around. Um, yeah, he was naked somewhere in the woods. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't have summoned him. Dumbledore said that specifically. Yeah. Well, that he even the have... words, I mean, even even if it were just Harry and Hermione's memories, like... Oh, oh, right, okay. Because their word might not be taken seriously, but their memories in a pensive kind of would pull more weight. But still, I think that you could argue that With there may have been... With the time You wouldn't have been enough time to... Or even Veritas. Right, that, and in the heat of the moment, too, I mean... Yeah, it's a good point, Micah, Veritas here. Do you think it's that? Do you think it's that Joe hadn't invented the pensive or Veritas serum yet? <laughs> she hadn't thought it up. <laughs> I always like pointing that you know, it's the, possible. pointing it out when I can because you, these books are so almost infallible that it's 
But there's still Veritas Serum, like Micah mentioned. That could have been... Easy. I feel like she may have answered that as well, but I don't remember specifically. But then the question's raised, what would have Mary Grand Prix illustrated on the cover? And that's unacceptable. <laughs> I like it just how it is. Micah, can you read the final email today from Joe? Yeah, final email from Joe, 23 of Ohio. Uh-oh, <laughs> Lego Harry Potter. Hey, guys. <laughs> Actually, we haven't Micah. talked about it in about an hour, so that's pretty good. Uh, hey, guys, I'm just listening to the latest episode of MuggleCast 197, and I need to make a comment regarding the Lego Harry Potter Collector's Edition. Just so you guys know, Collector's Editions are common with releases of major titles, such as Lego Harry Potter. And they are more often than not released at the same time as the standard edition of the game. Just thought you ought to know. Keep up the great work. There were actually a lot of blogs making fun of how the collector's edition includes magnets, which I agree is kind of ridiculous. Like, I can't... I, I can't see this. The previous LEGO games, okay, Indiana Jones, like, if you were, if you pre-ordered at GameStop, you could get a cool t-shirt of LEGO Indiana Jones. I did that, and I have the t-shirt. But for Star Wars, you could get a keychain. For Batman, you could get a keychain. I have, I have some keychains if you guys want. You just I have do to want tell to get, but you said it's of the house, right? Of yeah, it's of the different houses. So Done in a LEGO style. Yeah. Yeah. But, so I can't really think of these other, these, these collector's editions that this guy's talking about, like, Honestly, I try and keep up with with video games. I don't know if Halo did a collector's edition, but right. Magnets, really? Uh, magnets. What do you mean? In the collector's edition, yeah, it is yeah. kind of pushing it. But did you did you ask them about the magnets? Like, I have I a magnet. It's just a big. It's like the cover of the video game as a magnet. Did you ask them about the aggressive marketing campaign? Like I asked you to. No, I thought. Oh man! About Deathly Hollows, you're talking about. Yeah, about the release uh, being around the same time as when. <laughs> no, you know they they were a little hesitant, like I said, with with what the guy could talk about. So I thought if I went there, I'd probably just oh, okay. get get the run around anyway. You would have been refused from the bar, and he didn't want that. Yeah, exactly. Eric, uh, we have a chicken soup today for the MuggleCast Soul. Could you read that one for us? Sure. We got chicken soup from Aiden, age seventeen, from Utah. They say, I've been listening for several years just as a Harry Potter fan, but after about a year of listening to MuggleCast, it took on a whole new meaning. I was diagnosed with leukemia in June of 2007. Your show was always a welcome addition to my hospital stays, allowing me to forget about my loneliness, the effects of chemo, and some of the pain. I've been fighting the cancer off, on and off, ever since the doctors just can't seem to figure out a way to get rid of it. I still welcome the release that your show provides, and recently it's been even better. My family has never really acknowledged my illness, and it's been part of, and it's been particularly hard the past couple of weeks, struggling with my energy levels and whatnot, whilst trying to relate to my, relate my grandparents to live with us. When I need a break from the frustration and interruptions of dealing with constant questions about where things are in the hours before my parents get home from work, I'm able to go downstairs, put on the headphones, and have a good break that doesn't strain my already low energy levels as much as some of the other things I'd love to do. Thank you for producing such a quality show that I can enjoy and laugh when laughing is one of the last things I really want to do. Well, thanks, Aiden. We're glad to hear that. This is The show helps you out that way. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully this show... This episode helped you as well. So now's not a good time to say that we're we're ending the show in two episodes. <laughs> Stop it! Stop. Oh my God, Eric! <laughs> you know, I used to think we would only last to, to episode two hundred, but now you guys debated whether or not we should end at one hundred. I remember those that was thoughts. a joke, though. That, that was, was a not joke. a joke. It, it absolutely was a joke. That was before we knew we were going to to London. Before we were going. Before we knew we were going to London, 
you guys were considering shutting the show. Well, down. we couldn't end MuggleCast before we stopped, before the seventh book came out oh, either. You're right. so. Maybe I was just duped. We want to remind everyone today that we're going to be at Infinitus 2010. The website's infinitus2010.org. It's a Harry Potter conference going on in Orlando, Florida from the July 15th to the 18th. It's going to be held on the Universal Orlando Resort. It's going to be so much fun. They announced the other day a party in the Harry Potter theme park. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. Um, there's going to be a lot of special events going on there, and we'll be able to announce some exciting stuff in the coming weeks. That event in the park, exclusively for Infinitus attendees, is called Night of a Thousand Wizards. It's a lot of fun, these cons. You'll end up making a lot of friends. It's just all around a good time. Yeah, I mean, um, are we doing a podcast or what? Yes, I can confirm we're doing a podcast there. So visit infinitus2010.org, find more details, and you can also register. When you do register, be sure to put MuggleCast in the referral box so they know who sent you. We also want you to check out the MuggleCast website, which is MuggleCast.com. It's got all the information you need that you would ever want about this show. You can follow us on Twitter, fan us on Facebook, subscribe and review us on iTunes. You can find every transcript for every episode of our show. You can find every show note for every episode. You can learn about us. You can visit the Wall of Fame, which features some of our favorite episodes of MuggleCast, if you want to catch up on the best Andrew, of the best. tell them about the missing yes. episode that they can now find on the episodes page. Oh, the missing episode. One of our friends, Andrew Walker, pointed out recently that we were missing an episode on the episodes page. It was the episode where we um, discuss... The release date, I think it was, of Deathly Hallows? It was huge. It was a minicast, yeah. but it was yeah. it was huge news. And I saw that it was on the server, but it wasn't on the episodes page. And I guess Andrew said the same thing. And I was like, oh, well, we got to get it up there. Yeah, visit episode page, um, the, the page for episodes 71 to 80. And there you'll find the Muggle minicast from February 1st, 2007. And we discuss if the release you, date, what it yeah. means for the timing of the so film. So if you and all recently that. listened to like old episodes and you thought you'd heard them all, this is a new one that you had. This is a new one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's new but old. It's three years old, in fact. <laughs> but it's funny to hear our speculation from that time. Yeah, and the thing is too, we, we have a lot of new listeners based on the emails that we've been getting, um, you know, in the last few episodes. Uh, a lot of new people and especially wanting to listen to the older episodes. I mean, I think it's good for them to know that they're on our site. They're not all on iTunes, uh, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you can download every episode you could possibly want uh, of MuggleCast from our website. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can expect episode 199, May 26th or May 27th. Um, I have to be honest. I'm going to be in Vegas for my birthday, and I'm getting back May 25th, so I can't guarantee the episode's going to be out May 26th. Leave a few days for the hangover to subside. So you can look for it at the latest, May 27th. Man, I am so going to be in Vegas, too, with you. I know, Eric. It'll be a good time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Oh, wait. Do we want to talk more about Lego Harry Potter? Yes. No, we yes, don't. And, yes, Micah. Micah. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. You could do a special minicast there, Micah, where you're just ranting about it. I'm Andrew Sims. <laughs> I'm Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Matt Britton. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.